Welcome to the Light the A Sports Podcast, home of the top interviews of Aggie Sports Nation. Former Utah State basketball head coach, Rod Tuller. Utah State gymnastics coach, Kristen White. Welcome to the program, John Eccles. Ashley Cardozo. Welcome to the program, former Utah State running back, Emmett White. How you doing? And now, here are your hosts, Jason Walker and Eric Franson. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Light the A podcast. Jason Walker, Eric Franson. We have another guest on today's show, uh, former Utah State wide receiver, uh, Zach Van Leeuwen. How are things going? Going great. Excited to be on the show today. Thank you. I had to, like, double and triple check, make sure I, knew, I had the right Van Leeuwen because there's <laughs> been, like, five of you. There's been a ton. <laughs> uh, the only positive of that, I guess, well, there's been many positive, but for me, it's I've learned how to spell your name pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you have a Van Leeuwen from 2009 to current, it's has, a lot of years of practice. So been, that, That's true. <laughs> has there been a Van Leeuwen on the Aggie roster for, like, every year since 2009? Every year except... 2018 so that's the year that I didn't play and then my brother Kyle had just gotten home from his mission he started 2019 so there was a one-year gap yes he played from 2015 to 2017 yep and then 2014 was my redshirt season okay so So, not a ton of playing time you did get some decent time in your final season I guess what was that like for you there yeah no it was fun um I feel like every year it was I think definitely my last year I played more of a vital role in the offense. Um, Started probably half the season as punt returner as well, but um, I tended to be always one of the better blockers in our receiver room, and so it was funny. If if other teams watched the film and I was in, they probably knew it was a run play. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that that last year was a lot of fun just because I I had a bigger role in, in the offense, so I had a lot more playing time. Uh, we've had a lot of fun over this past season, uh, uh, the the 2022 football season for Utah State, where uh, we had you, Zach, and, mm-hmm. and your brother Travis uh, help us out with some of our post-game coverage uh, of the Aggies, and it was fun having brothers <laughs> on the post-game show with us, but also two former great wide receivers, uh, and to get your, your analysis and observations of uh, what you saw on the field. Um, and uh, it was fun having you guys in. Yeah, it was a blast. Uh, it's it's always fun to talk about football, especially Aggie football. That's something we're passionate about. So we appreciate you guys having us on the show because it was a lot of fun. So, so what is it like having you know? What is it like having just an entire family that you know all goes to the same school? You all play football. You're all really good at football. Like, you know, what's it like for you guys? I mean, I come from like a band family. Everyone played <laughs> band. I played football, yeah. but like. You know, it's like coming from a, a football family. It's it's competitive. Um, you know, I think it's fun that we all followed in Trav's footsteps. Um, obviously, I think while we were in high school, our we had our recruitments pretty open. We were always considering other options, but I think Utah State was, like, always number one for us. Um, so it's fun kind of seeing how all of our careers have been differently, how Trav's career was, how mine was, and – um, now Kyle and Tim are there now and just kind of seeing how their careers are unfolding. But it's fun. We're passionate about Aggie sports. And um, even my parents moved up here because they're passionate about Aggie sports and so and, and just following us. So it's been a blast to kind of see, you know, something similar where we created a family at Tint View where there was a ton of us receivers there. And now it's been the same thing for Utah State. It's kind of cool. And I think it's pretty unique as well. So. In your playing time at Utah State, um, 
was there any particular games for you that stood out uh, over others in just either a, a performance that you had or in, in an environment or just the, the matchup on the field that kind of stood out to you? Um, I think a big one as far as a win during my career, that was always like one of the highlights is when we beat Boise State. Um, I don't I don't recall another Aggie team beating Boise State within the last 10, 12 years. And so, and the fact that we beat them by a lot <laughs> that yes. was, and four state turnovers or whatever it was, <laughs> it, was it seemed like game. a record. That, that was a game that was always like a blast. Um, obviously, highlight of my career is the touchdown I scored against the University of Utah. Um, just, you know, in-state rivals and on ESPNs. That was kind of a cool atmosphere to be in. But I think definitely beating Boise State is one. And then the two times that during my playing days that we beat BYU, those were always special wins as well. Can you tell us a bit more about that Boise State game? Because that one just always sticks out because it's like, even at the time it was just like, you weren't supposed to win, you weren't supposed to win by that much. And then... It still stand out because even yeah. a lot of the good Utah State teams haven't beat Boise State. Like, just how crazy was that in the moment where it's like all of a sudden you realize, oh yeah, we're up by you know twenty points. Yeah, it was wild. I think I think the stars kind of aligned. I'm pretty sure that was Brett Rippon's freshman season. So I obviously he was a little bit newer at quarterback, but like it's just one of those games where everything goes your way. <laughs> when there's a fumble, it goes right into your guy's hands. Um, there were a few interceptions where it was like went off their receiver's hands right into our guys' lap and like return it to the house. And so it was really cool to be a part of because, again, um, not many teams beat Boise State. And Coach Wells would always tell us the, the championship goes through Boise. And so the fact that, you know, we were able to beat Boise and I don't know if there's been another Utah State team that has – it's been a while. Or if it's been a long time, yeah, but it's a rare occurrence. Not since I've been following Utah State when my brother joined. I don't think there's been a win against Boise besides that one. So yeah, I don't know if there's one in the 21st century. Yeah. So it, it, it is pretty insane. Yeah. Uh, you're um, just talking about more of your 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 playing days at Utah State um, when when you were. Uh, coming through maybe a little bit more uh, experienced player mm-hmm. um how did you see or maybe i'll just ask it this way just in your time at utah state as a player uh, how did you see kind of culture change or or, or shift because there were some pretty high expectations on the team early on mm-hmm. with matt wells and deservedly so i mean they were winning and made it to a conference championship in his first year um and then things started to, to get a little bit more I don't want to say complicated, but more uh, more challenging. Mm-hmm. But what was that like, kind of going through that as as kind of the ebbs and flows of your time as a player, and just kind of watching how the team's success kind of changed over that time? Yeah, um, I think I think Matt did a pretty good job at establishing a culture. I mean, you look at his track record. We went to a bowl game almost every year um, since Gary took over, and you know Matt continued that. There was one season. That, during my playing days that we didn't go to a bowl game and I think after what year was that 2016 but we also lost like five games by like seven points or less in the fourth quarter and so you know that was frustrating but I know even after that season there was like kind of like a reassessment of our culture and a a buy-in and 
you know, the next season we went to the Arizona Bowl, and then, you know, that 2018 year they ended up going to 11-2, and two and where'd they go? The New Mexico Bowl, I think, again. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I think each year, um, you know, the, the upperclassmen, the seniors did a good job at reestablishing that winning culture. Like, we're going to a bowl game. It's kind of expected of us. Um, and so it, I think – the senior leadership was a, a big part of reestablishing that that winning way. We're going to a bowl game each year, and you know, Coach Anderson now has done a good job at continuing that. So um, it's kind of expected now that we win football games and we go to bowl games here in Cache Valley. So, so I don't know if this is correlated, but basically, you mentioned you guys have been in the you know the Aggie football program since about 2009. That's probably about the time the program started to turn around i guess mm-hmm. what's it been like for you guys to be part of that you know year after year to be part of a, a revolution where this team turned into one that always went like two and ten three and nine yeah. and now the expectation is usually at least six wins yeah no it's been a lot of fun i know especially for all my brothers when we when we talk about it it's like bowl games are a blast so there it's a fun thing to go to it's like a reward for all the hard work that you're putting in and so it's been cool to see like all the different bowl games we've gone to as well because I know Travis he went to um what's the bowl game down in San Diego they used to have the poinsettia poinsettia. i don't know if that one exists anymore if that has a different name or something but it actually died it's one of the few bowl games that actually went away okay so yeah seeing us all go to different bowl games um you know travis went to the potato bowl i did as well but new mexico bowl the arizona bowl kyle's been to like the frisco bowl um what was the one the, the first LA responders bowl. bowl la bowl and so we've all had kind of different experiences and it's been cool to see um you know just the different aggie teams and it's fun seeing us play against different opponents as well and so it's it's always a, a fun reward at the end of the year and it's good that that winning way has continued and i think it will continue as well so uh you know it would be a mistake if i didn't ask you about kyle and his health and mm-hmm. uh his ability to come back to the team and help that wide receiver group that Looks like you could uh, need some help after guys are going to be leaving and questions about what does it look like for the future. Yeah. But, and I guess Tim, too, is going to be yeah. in that mix next year. Yeah. Too. So Kyle had knee surgery. I think he said it's been about three months now. So he's just rehabbing. Um, I'm not sure his timeline. I think by the end of spring ball, beginning of summer, he'll be full go again. Um Tim actually just had a hernia surgery oh. and so he's he's going to be recovering from that but hopefully again with a lot of guys on the outside leaving he'll have a good shot at kind of making more of a name for himself this this spring and spring ball but it's it's fun seeing hopefully they can be healthy and on the field together next fall I think that'd be a lot of fun to watch. So what is that process like coming back from injury I don't know your your full history as far as you know any injuries but like, what's that process like? Have you seen other people go through it? You know, and we've got a lot of players on this team that have gone through injuries. You know, mm-hmm. Bonner, we had, we had long conversations about his return. Yeah. Anthony Switzer's coming back from an injury, and obviously Kyle and, and Tim are going through their own thing. Like, what's the process of getting back into, you know, mentally and physically getting back yeah. into elite playing shape? Well, luckily, I didn't have any serious injuries during my playing days. I think it skipped over me because Trav had several surgeries while he was playing. Whoops. Um... I mean, I had a concussion or just, like, 
couple rolled ankles. I didn't, I didn't have anything serious, luckily. But um, so it, it can be a grueling process, though. You know, being in the treatment room, seeing guys coming back from injury. You usually have all your athletic trainers, like physical therapists, team doctors, and stuff that are all pretty hands-on. Um, there's consistent like physical therapy, getting your body back. Uh, I think as players, I, it's, you know, and I'm passionate about mental health, I think it can take a toll on you mentally as well when you do get injured because you know, you're healthy and then playing and all of a sudden that's taken away. Depending on the severity of the injury too, it can be a long, grueling process, kind of like my brother in the ACL you know, surgery. He's he's handling it well, but I know definitely it can take an impact physically and mentally on players as well just because – it's a long process and being able to trust your body again to do what it did before that that takes a lot of work to get that back so it can definitely physically and mentally take a toll on you those injuries so so zach i know that after uh after playing days um you you you've moved on and you've gone but you haven't really left football behind Mm -hmm. Uh, you you still do some specialty coaching uh you were in las vegas area uh, yeah. For a little while, and you you, you did some um, specialized coaching there. Explain for folks who may not have heard mm-hmm. some of our post game shows where we talked about that. Like what after your playing days? Yeah, what were you involved with after that? So after the 2017 season, um, I had already graduated with my bachelor's degree and applied for grad schools in marriage and family therapy. Um, got into grad school at UNLV and moved down there. For fall or summer of 2018 uh, my brother Travis had just gotten the head coaching job at Logan High at the time and so that whole spring I was helping his receivers just kind of you know training them all summer and then I traveled up from Vegas to go help coach in the football games Friday night so that kind of was like my first experience of like coaching wide receivers and that was a blast And so I was like, well, I can't really work during grad school because I'm so busy with that. Figured why not try my own wide receiver business and train guys. And so started out in the Logan Rec during Christmas break of 2018 with with one kid um, in the Logan Rec Center. Just did a a wide receiver training. And then it's it's called Air Show Wide Receiver Training from there at it grew. I did that in Las Vegas. I traveled all over Vegas and did trainings. And then whenever I came back to Cache Valley to visit my family, I would host trainings here as well. And now it's, I've been doing that for about four years now. And it's, it's been a great side business. I've trained guys that have gone on to play D1. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so that's kind of like this, the side specialty, you know, coaching and training that I do to I mean, stay around the game. I love football, and so it's been fun seeing kids that I've trained grow and go on to play at the next level and even just grow into better young men as well. So it's a lot of fun, and it helps me stay around the game and stay in shape too. So (laughs) So you go out there running, doing drills with the the Yeah, I I always tell them if the day I can't do this anymore, I'm not going to teach you. So I think it's important for them to see – how the proper technique stuff because that's that's what i emphasize i don't do any of the speed and agility stuff more like wide receiver technique stuff stuff that'll help you on game day and i mean like i said it's a good way for me to get cardio and and stay fresh on that but if 
I, my philosophy, if you can't teach it by showing, then don't teach it at all. So, <laughs> so uh, I guess what's the most underrated, you mentioned technique, like what's the most underrated technique that you feel like you need to teach? wide receivers uh you know there's a there's so many different aspects and things that go into being like a successful wide receiver i think it's hard to really narrow it down to one um but you know i think being able to transition in and out of your routes will change of direction if you can transition out of that quickly um you watch utah state's offense those outside receivers even the slots sometimes a lot of it will seem like a vertical route, like they're doing a go route, but then they come straight back down. I felt like we threw a lot of those this year. Mm -hmm. Straight back down your stem. But if you're not getting out of that quickly, the DB is going to be able to close on it. So the technique there to be able to get out of those routes, um, I think uh, you know, a skill that's underrated and overlooked is the ability to just block well as a wide receiver. Um, and just even the mental aspect of it as well, being able to recognize – coverages and stuff so it's hard to narrow down to one but there's so many technical things that go into being a receiver because um, even the other night at a training just a kid that came for the first time he's like I didn't know there was this much teaching that went into it I was like yeah it's not just running around out there there's <laughs> there's a lot more to the position so but seems like you just named off all the things you were good at. <laughs> <laughs> at least all the things the Van Lewins are good at. All, yes. all the slot wide receiver stuff, yep. blocking and change yeah. of direction and all that. Yep. So, uh, One of the other things that uh, you, you alluded to and you mentioned, and I want to make sure we spend some time on this, is that mm -hmm. you've had time to be trained as a, as a therapist. Mm -hmm. um, so um, mental health is, a, is really important to you. Yeah. And that's certainly been an issue or, or not necessarily an issue, a topic that has certainly gained a lot more momentum in sports over yeah. the last few years. And thank goodness for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kevin Love had some things a few years ago and drew a lot of attention to it. There's been a few other things kind of on a national scene that's drawn attention to it. And it hit close to home this year when coach anderson like spent a week like this is going to be our focus yeah. uh, it's about mental health awareness mm -hmm. and the football program had a couple different players like hey this is a situation that happened in my family or this is a situation yeah. that happened to me and these are you're not alone basically mm -hmm. and, and the other other people have these stories but we can still go out and and have success and have fun but yeah. there are some other things that that do go on and resources are there. I don't know that they're as readily accepted or mm -hmm. as available as maybe they, they ought to be. But that's, that's another aspect that's interesting um, in your training and your experience about having mental health training and, and resources available for athletes, coaches, and things like that, too. Yeah, I think it's so important. Um athletes i think you know even student athletes i think they're a very unique population where a lot is expected of them um whether it's on the football field or whatever sport you're playing as a student athlete there's a lot of expectations to perform at a high level and do that consistently while staying on top of school stuff as well and then you add in like you know upbringing and family stressors there's a lot of things that can impact um, mental health for uh, student athletes or athletes in general I'm I'm happy to see that it's being talked about more but I still feel like there can be even a bigger push and like you were saying more resources readily available um, 
for athletes and you know because there's a lot of pressure and a lot of um you know they're under a spotlight as well a lot of times and so that can add to that pressure and that stress to to play well and perform well and so many athletes how go through that mentality of just push through and ignore whatever i'm feeling or be tough um when in reality if you are struggling you need you need help for it so you feel like maybe one of the issues with i guess you know student athletes and mental health you mentioned there's this tendency to just want to push through but a lot of sports in the physical sense is about okay just push through it so that's kind of mentally how a lot of these guys are wired Mm -hmm. you feel like it makes it harder for athletes to do that because with mental health you know, you mentioned you can't just push through in a lot of cases. You need to step back and get help and yeah. and talk about it. You feel like it just it's harder for student athletes because they're wired a certain way, and it's harder for them to tackle mental health issues. Yeah, I believe. I mean, I think that's a huge thing because you know, as as athletes, like you're saying, you're told just just push through it, just push through it. But when it be, when it comes to like mental and emotional, <clears throat> you shouldn't just just push through that you need to be more aware of like what's going on what's influencing this because that's something that can build up and then lead to like a breaking point i know you know i think a lot of the suicides that do happen are like impulsive where everything just built up and then you can't handle it anymore and so you need to be able to not just push through it but like okay what's going on um and be okay to like I, you know the catchphrase, it's okay to not be okay. Take your mental health, like, injuries or your mental health as seriously as you would, like, a physical injury because everything's tied together. If you're not doing well mentally or emotionally, it's going to be a lot harder to perform in your sport. So it's good to take care of that as well because everything's connected. I know that I, I've heard this from, from others, that, um, and I think the guy I see repeat it, uh, more often than not, is Riley Jensen. He's a former Aggie mm-hmm. uh, quarterback, and I know he's done a lot with sports performance yeah. training and, and mental health, too, mm-hmm. with, with athletes. But I, I've seen him uh, on social media and, and in public settings multiple times repeat the phrase that, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially you know, there's uh, too many times athletes tie their self-worth to their performance yep. on the field or on the court, and yeah. that's a big mistake Yeah, because – if you if you don't play much or if you don't succeed, it, mm-hmm. then you may think that you're a worthless person, and that that's really not true. And that can be tough yeah. for a lot of people to kind of wrap their minds around that um, their success on the court or the or the mm-hmm. field doesn't necessarily reflect who they are as a person, and that can be hard for some people to differentiate when you're in the moment and you're middle, in the middle of that. Yeah, that's that's a big problem because, you know, everyone has, has worth and value. But like you said, a lot of times that mistake happens when you tie that worth and value to your performance. Um, and that it, there's a, a concept called being outcome and ego-oriented, and a lot of athletes are – are focused and driven that way where I'm receiving that worth and that praise when I'm doing well, um, as opposed to just identifying the worth and value that they have and just, you know, a human being and, you know, their beliefs, their work ethic, um, because we can't fully control how well we're going to perform. There's a lot of variables and a lot of factors. And so, um, the more the athletes can identify value and worth and just being who they're beating and, know valuing who they are as opposed to tying it to to a performance um and i think another factor that impacts mental health a lot is 
so much of identity is tied into, you know, being that athlete or being a football player, being a basketball player. And there's more to our identity than just that. They're human beings. They're, you know, your name or whoever you are. Um, I know that can be a difficult thing is that transition after because so much of that identity is tied up into that sports career. So it is a problem where a lot of athletes tie in their their own self-worth to performance because we can't control how we're going to perform day in and day out because there's so many factors and variables involved. And I think one other, I guess, factor in all this is you talk about, you know, there's crowds at these games. And there's also, you know, maybe now we have social media where there's a lot of chatter going on on social media. You can see it's mm-hmm. not just on game day. Like, how does that factor in where there's there's two definite sides? There's a side where you're getting all this praise mm-hmm. and everyone's cheering, loud crowds. And then maybe if you're not performing, not only are you not performing and not living up, but there's people, sometimes there's nasty people yeah. giving it to you. You know, sometimes, you know, we had the crowd <laughs> boo a little bit this year. Yeah. They weren't happy. Yeah. And then they give it to you on social media. Like, how do you balance that kind of coin there where it's like, it's either really high or really low sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, social media can be ruthless. So one day you might be the hero, the other day you might be the villain. Um, and, and you're going to hear about it on social media. Uh, as athletes, I think it's important. You know, the, This is kind of the term we use in the therapy world, but being able to set boundaries, um, being able to know how to tune out the outside noise cause, and focus on the things that you can control. You can't control what everyone else is going to say about your performance, whether there's going to be booze, the comments, or direct messages you might receive on social media, but being able to shift your focus to what you can control. And, um, again, I think it also goes back to not tying your worth and value to a performance because um, the more that these athletes can cultivate like a growth mindset – and being able to learn from these performances and these experiences and be focused on the skills that they can develop. Um, you know, the outside noise is always going to be there. Um, that's part of athletics. People are going to love you or they're going to hate you, depending on how you play. Um, but the more that you can focus on what you can control, how you want to respond to the game, the things that you can learn and improve on, um, if athletes can cultivate that and be driven by their improvement towards the sport as opposed to always the results then i think it'll be easier for them to tune out that outside noise and just kind of turn that down a little bit (laughs) uh it's certainly another big topic recently of uh kind of ties into just your expertise just as a a former player but also in your field of of profession now Mm -hmm. um seeing what's happened with the buffalo bills actually you know damar hamlin collapses on the field uh cardiac event teammates are there basically surrounding him as they're performing cpr on him Mm -hmm. and and then just over the course of you know what happens next um from obviously you're not there in the middle of it so Mm -hmm. i'm not asking you to diagnose anything but just as an observer watching what they were going through and maybe what they could uh, have access to with, with dealing with their own kind of mental health going through seeing something so traumatic. Uh, I guess let me first ask, have you ever seen, I mean, that's a very rare instance where somebody mm-hmm. has a cardiac event in front of you, but have you, have you been in a game where you've had a teammate go down with a pretty serious injury and seen how it affects your teammates? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I... I and there might have been one game during my playing days where someone was taken off an ambulance because of a concussion and 
you know, being, you know, injury to the neck as well, where there was worry there, where they had to take him off on a stretcher. And that's always like kind of like bone chilling. Um, you know, the, the coaches Monday night, they talked like, we're not going to be able to play after seeing this because so many of those players were affected and just kind of like in shock. Um, even though it didn't directly happen to them, there's what they call secondary trauma where even just seeing an injury can then impact you psychologically where it's like, oh, man, do I really want to do this? Can this happen to me? Even just the the image of, like, the CPR being performed on the field could be replaying through your head. I had a client this past week that it triggered a lot of anxiety and didn't know if he wanted to play sports anymore just because of seeing that. And so, you know, a lot of the, I think, you know, especially Monday night, the guys that were involved um, and just seeing that happen, there's probably going to be a little bit of like trauma there and um that they're going to have to work through because that's a scary thing to see i was watching scott van pelt that night and i don't remember his co-host um but his co-host was saying if they don't have like therapists or mental health people readily available for the the Bengals and bills players then they're missing the mark because that was an impactful and very you know, traumatic event for everyone to go through involved in even viewers on TV. It, yeah. It's impacted as well. So I feel like it's going to change the way we view a lot of hits because, you know, that was a garden variety wide receiver tumbles into the defensive back. And I know was it, was it T Higgins? Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine the trauma he's going through. He's probably really yeah. going through where it's like, I've done that a thousand times. And all of a sudden one time he, he nearly kills a guy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's scary. It's, I think, you know, each NFL team, I believe, has a few mental health therapists on staff, which I think is great. I feel like every university or athletic department should have, you know, mental health clinicians on staff readily available when, when needed. Um, you know, we mentioned earlier, like, the toll that even just injuries can have mental health-wise on people therapist should be a part of a treatment team and helping an athlete you know recover but um yeah it was I'm sure uh, T Higgins is going to be impacted a little bit but I'm sure a lot of those players are going to be seeking out you know or they should be seeking out help just to kind of process their own emotions and what happened Monday night so and, and we've heard times um uh, over the course of this last week but also in other times when we've seen this when a player goes down and maybe there's a pretty serious injury but players have to compartmentalize that and put that away for a minute Mm -hmm. and have to move on Mm -hmm. at least in the moment to continue to go out there and try to compete at a high level yeah at some point though they still need to go back and address their emotions and how they felt about that don't they yeah i i definitely agree um it's a skill to be able to, like you were saying, kind of like, all right, let me just put my emotions in, like, neutral right now. I'm going to just store this aside so I can be focused on, you know, the moment, the task at hand, playing again. But even things that we see, um, are, are what happens to our brain and body, a lot of times it gets frozen into our brain and body, those secondary traumatic experiences like that. Um, so if you don't process and rework through those, those can stay and can end up impacting you and your performance and mental health later on if if it's not taken care of so and really that applies not to just athletes but to anybody anybody because so. for some people like well, there may be a traumatic incident 
in in your life, but then you have to, you still have to go to work, yeah, or you still have to go to school, mm-hmm. but it, it, in you know, focus on the task in front of you. But mm-hmm. at some point, you still need to go back and address that, or else it it becomes an issue. Yeah, I can it can build up. I teach a lot of mindfulness, and my simple way of defining that is your ability to to be in the present moment. Um, but there's like you said, there's still those issues that build up. Um, and like you said, if they're not taken care of, the more that they build up, the greater impact it can have on you later on in your day-to-day living. I guess kind of on that topic of things building up and kind of reaching a peak, there's instances where, you know, I've seen where, you know, athletes, they have to step away from the game and sometimes they just quit the game in general. We've seen that there's an Iowa player who just is, is stepping away. Mm. There have been examples around Utah State where some players have quit. I know Jalen Moore, he had, you know, when he went to the pro, he mm-hmm. ended up kind of having to just withdraw from that. Yeah. So it's it's not an uncommon thing for players to have to just stop, you know, playing their sport. Like, like what's that process like? How do you get to that point? And then I guess what's the process like coming back from that? I don't know if you've worked with anybody who's reached that point. Um, you know, it's I think it's just a, a buildup of so much stuff. Um, hopefully these athletes are taking initiative to get help before it gets to like a breaking point where it's like, I can't do this anymore. Um, but it's usually so many things compiled one after another and, you know, the lack of skills to be able to manage and regulate through some of those emotions. But even, I mean, I, there's a lot of respect to athletes that do end up, it's a hard decision to step away to take your mental health a priority um and sometimes you know mental health it's it's wild sometimes some people are able to work through things a lot faster because everyone's different others it takes a lot longer to be able to reprocess and work through different life experiences and sometimes it's just going to be a part of kind of your life something you have to learn to deal with um and so some stepping away sometimes might be the best option because you know the sport's not impacting you in a in a positive way, so it's definitely it's different for everyone. It just depends on everyone's makeup, and but you know hopefully people take the initiative earlier on as opposed to before it's too late. So what is that? I guess you know what is like the initiative? Like what is you know kind of help us out? Like where you talk about you know how how does these mental health issues manifest in yourself? Like, how do you take initiative? Because we use a lot of these words, like, you know, get help, mm-hmm. you know, you know, be aware of your mental health. But I guess sometimes there's a bit of, you know, for a layperson like me, like, how do you understand yeah. what that looks like and then how to address it? Yeah, because uh, that's a great question. A lot of people sometimes don't know they're experiencing mental health. Um, so just different signs and symptoms. It's anger and irritability. If someone being more angry than than usual are they being more irritable than than normal uh isolation are people isolating themselves from others um obviously kind of some of your depression symptoms like uh if, if you're sad or if there's like a loss of motivation to to do things um even a little bit at the end of my like playing days i was experiencing burnout a little bit at the end of my football days and I wasn't aware of what that was either until I got into grad school. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, the days seemed longer with football. Like I had to go to my workouts, like counting the minutes to till the end of practice and whatnot. And so, you know, those are different signs and symptoms. 
you know, the anxiety stuff, whether you have racing thoughts and worries about how am I going to perform today? What's coach going to think or performing to not let people down? Those are all different signs and symptoms of different things that you can be impacted by mental health as, as a player or even just, you know, an individual, um, more exhaustion than usual. So, um, initiative would then be if if you're aware of those signs and symptoms just like okay something's different than before let me talk to someone about it and you know it's not a sign of weakness if you're talking to someone about your mental health it's actually a sign of strength so um isn't uh, i'm having to look it up because now i don't remember and i should have been more prepared but isn't there like a, f- a phone hotline uh, was it like nine eight eight? Uh, eight one one, I believe, is the the new. Oh, nine eight eight is suicide. And oh, nine eight eight is the suicide. Yeah, that's the new. But there's lifeline. another one for for just a, mental health. Well, yeah, the the suicide. You know, there's the suicide hotline, the nine eight eight. It's great that they built that number now because before it was like this long, like one eight hundred, and so that's it's a more accessible one. Um, I think that's the big one that they have for mental health. They have, uh, like, different ones for specific issues, whether it's, like, gambling or drugs and alcohol as well, which can be another thing, you know, especially for, like, substance abuse is another one because that's a lot of, you know, I'm going to use that to not have to feel my emotions, and so that's a way of coping with it. But, um, so, and there's a lot of, like, university resources as well, like counseling center as well, so. So for um, if I'm just kind of wrapping this up, but just mm-hmm. for people who may be curious or, or want somebody to talk to, I mean, are are you available? I mean, are your your practice. I mean, this is your professional field. You're professionally mm-hmm. trained. Yeah. I mean, uh, or other resources that you would recommend for people? Yeah, I mean, my practice. I, I work at a place right now called Family Counseling of Logan. I'm also starting. Um, my own kind of practice called cash sports therapy where it's more um, tailored towards athletes whether it's the mental skills training or the mental health aspect and getting athletes the help that they need in in that regards Um, so there's there's that's kind of if you want to contact me Um, but there's there's plenty of resources Uh, psychology today you're able to go on there and look up different therapists social workers psychologists all within this area or state of utah wherever you are listening um university has resources as well caps is a place at the university um so there are resources available um it's crazy a lot of times people are booked out now too but um so there are resources it's just getting yourself i think the reaching out is the hardest part for people because you know they're scared or they feel like am i really is there really something that i'm struggling with but it's better to to take care of it than to let it just linger and build up and build up it's preventative health care yeah kind of how it is it's just it's just weird because we don't always think of you know there's a physical injury it's like oh i you know rolled my ankle i got to go get it fixed or rested mm-hmm. we don't we don't always recognize or take those steps in, in mental health yeah so Anyway, so glad to have you on. We've had you on for quite a while. Uh, sorry to take too much of That's your time. That's okay. But uh, Zach Van Leeuwen, former Utah State wide receiver, current uh, 
because what is your current job title like? Uh, I'm a marriage and family therapist. I'm creating my own title called a sports therapist. There you go. A therapist that works with athletes. So. Yeah, and also a wide receiver coach. So. Yeah. Man of many hats these days. So yes. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. This has been the Light the A podcast with Jason Walker and Eric Franzen. Be sure to like the episode and share your favorite part of it. You can also find the show on Twitter at 1069 The Fan.